4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. My God, the storytelling during the breaks, that was that was wild. Uh, maybe we'll have a conversation about uh, that topic in the coming weeks. Who knows? DeMond's here. It's Cofield. Well, that's a... We won't deliver on that tease. I'll guarantee I forget that one, but if... Uh, whatever. Adam is here as well. We have a Jonathan Abram sound, right? Ready? We're going to get to that in a second. Um, first of all, Adam, I'll throw it out there. Jason Garrett scooped up by Football Night in America, NBC. Oh, God. Any shot that he's good? No. I'll say there's a shot. I mean, there's always a shot, I guess, somebody can surprise you. But what, I mean, has there been anything that's really, I, I think he'll be analytical, and I think he'll have some maybe good information. I just can't see him, like, being all in and, like, open on the broadcast. Don't you think it's weird that in the face of TNT with Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith, right, and Ernie, Ernie's awesome too, in the face of that in broadcasting, and that's kind of like the standard bear for shows, the standard for shows, Amazon is lining up like this all-star cast of kind of wackadoo NFL players. And I'm not saying like Richard Sherman's crazy, but he, you know, he's a, he's an anti-establishment guy and, and beast mode's going to be on there. Um, Sherman also still hasn't retired by the way. But you, you see what I'm like? They're like, people are collecting folks from the world of football and like they're, they're lightning rods. Now maybe Jason Garrett's going to be awesome. The former Cowboys coach and giants OC. I don't know. Um, I would. I hope NBC. And again, this is way above my pay grade. These but people think, make a lot of money, but it, like they just went through Drew Brees, right? But I think what what you're kind of alluding to is the new wave of media. The new, you know, the new entrants into this are like, all right, let's let's kind of make splashes and the and and like be forward thinking with what we're doing. And the old guard is like tried and true formula. Coach the Cowboys. Let's go. Like it's just. It, it I mean, I love, sense. I thought it was going to be a potential mess when Stephen A ran off Max on first take. I'm like, what are they going to do here? And they tried him out with some athletes and like Sam Ocho, I think is good, but he was like getting mad at Sam Ocho and like basically trying to demoralize him on the air. And then basketball season comes around the last couple of months. We're like, all right, JJ Raddick, CJ McCollum came in for a couple of days. Pat Bev came in for a couple of days. Raddick's been awesome. I think Mad Dog's been really good. Yeah. So, like, when when I see this, I'm like, maybe Jason Garrett is not who we think he is, and he's going to turn out to be freaking awesome, but I, I don't know. Okay. Minka Fitzpatrick just got a big deal. Football frenzy here on a Wednesday. Highest paid safety ever. Ever. About 18 mil a year for a safety. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's, he's really good. And the the Steelers have made a commitment to their defense, and they have put a lot of money in their defense, and they have kind of said, hey, look, we're going to have one of the best defenses in the league, and we're going to have it for a long time, and we're going to do what we can on offense to fill in. But safety is not – like, there is – they're kind of – Well, they have not, a re- not the thing is they have a recent history because one of their best players for years and years and years was, was Palomalo. Palomalo. Sure, but the league has changed. And, like, there is analytics now that tell you what positions are important and what positions are not. And safety – it, it's an important position to have, but it's not where you invest your money. It just isn't. And this is this is going against what a lot of data has told us. Now, there's always differences. Like, you see the Colts have gone against all of that. Even though I think the Colts are very forward-thinking, I think they're analytical in what they do. Like, they invest their money in positions that aren't traditionally 
where you should be investing your money. The Steelers are just saying we're just investing it all in defense. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have a great defense. We're going to keep these guys locked in, and maybe that works. Maybe that maybe that changes how well, you, people you think. You can do it when you don't have a quarterback who's going to make thirty-five to forty-five million dollars anytime soon. And and we we've seen it recently. The the Seahawks showed that you invest in a safety and you are going to be elite for a long time. Oh wait, no, sorry. That actually they ruined their franchise by doing that. Jonathan Abram, I think the Raiders were hoping. Mayock sure. and, and Gruden, they were hoping he was going to be this guy. So Abram was in last week for media availability. Uh, he missed a couple of couple of days he was scheduled he missed. He, did we ever get any reasons for that? Uh, well, he agreed to do it and then had things to do. Had to go work out. Okay. Like that. Um, I want to play the highlights of his five minutes in front of the media, and I well, want Adam you know, to hear you... this. Adam and Willie are asking some of the questions, and I just felt like there was kind of a mood how much motivation does it give when an option isn't picked up for you to come in and prove yourself? Do you feel you have to prove yourself either for them or the future? No, I don't think about any of that. Uh, so, you know, I just show up to work every single day just to get better. That's about it. Last year, there was, there was so much happening and there was like a different thing to deal with every week. Now that you've had a little bit of time to distance yourself and have a summer to think about it a little bit, how difficult was last year? Honestly, um, I don't even think about last year. We're on to a new season. That's all I can focus on. You, you said you don't really feel the pressure. You don't think about it in terms of the contract situation. But you know, does does he instill a bit of confidence in you that whatever role he asks you of you that you're prepared to do that you feel confident in yourself for this season? I mean, why wouldn't I? I mean, I put the work in just like everybody else. So you know, the confidence comes from getting out there, getting the reps, and constantly just building things. You know, not what the media says. You're still a fairly you know young player, obviously entering year four. Where do you see your your development? Like, do you think you're ahead of schedule? Do you think you're where you want to be? Uh, where, where do you think you are in terms of developing as a player? I'm right on time. Yeah. yeah. Was that a good quote for you in your story? How'd that work out? Uh, it looks it sounds better in audio form than it does on print. In print, <laughs> right on time doesn't help. He I, was, mean, I know that he was, was all business. He made a comment there about the media. Players are aware. Of storylines sure. and what is said by the fans and the media, well, he, and he was he was just like not in that was John Abram. He was not in a talkative there, mood. Well, he, he never is anymore. Th- there's two things. One, Jonathan Abram burst on the scene. He was on you know hard, hard knocks. Star of Hard Knocks as his rookie, and everybody's like, "This is going to be awesome to cover him. He's got such a great personality. He's so dynamic. It's going to be awesome." Training camp every time we talked to him was awesome. Gets hurt first game of his career, and then he did some interviews after he got hurt. And from what I understand, was kind of told, hey, man, shut the hell up. You've done nothing. Ooh, okay. You've done nothing. And you played a half of a game, and now you're, now you're putting yourself out there and doing all these other interviews. Stop talking. And I think that was kind of beaten into him. And now he's like, I'm done talking about things. I'm just going to go do it. I'm not going to answer questions. And this is what he does every time he faces the media, <laughs> which is fine. But listen, man, it's not the media that didn't pick up your option. I didn't have any say in picking up your option. The team said you're not worth picking up an option. That's not us. That's the team. So when you say, like, oh, the media narratives, uh, no, the team didn't pick up your option. Now do you have to prove yourself? I don't, I don't have to prove myself to the media, but what about the team? That's who didn't pick up your option, not us. Giveaway time, 364-1100, Happy Father's Day. We got some concert tickets, right, in that age group. Motley Crue. Def Leppard, Stadium Tour, September 9th, Allegiant Stadium. Ticketmaster.com is where you get the tickets. Caller 7364-1100. Wait a second. Wait a second. Molly Crew, Def Leppard, Poison. All right, here we go.
And Joan Jett. How about that? That's a collection. Sure. Demond's looking at me like, what is... Trust me, man. Trust me. Steve will be there. Trust me. Three six four eleven hundred. Get the concert tickets right now. September 9th at the Owl. Caller 7 Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it. Great day, guest today. We have Mike Pritchard coming up a little later on. Dana White was on earlier, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer. So is Pritch. Marty Cordova hung out with us here for uh, over an hour. Former, uh, you're always the rookie of the year. It's not a for, it's not, yeah. I, don't, I don't like to do the sure. former rookie of the year. 1995 rookie of the year. Once a rookie of the year, always rookie of the year. Let's bring in Caleb Herring, UNLV legend. He's up with Cofield and Company. What's up, Caleb? Hey, what's up, man? The legend. I like it. I like. I, I like. Well, I think that's the first time I've heard that. I uh, I got angry for you. What was it? Three weeks ago, when uh, we were talking about Ryan Wolf, and then on social media, some jabroni said UNLV's never had a good quarterback, and I was like, wait a second. That was like a pearl clutching moment for me. Like when I saw, because I think he retweeted me, and I was like, whoa, whoa, hey, <laughs> come on, give me something. I'm like good at least. You gave me legendary just now, but I, I, good, please. Wait, I, I was just trying to think because I was going to ask you a question about, like, when you see a notification pop up from Twitter on your phone, are you like, oh, this is going to be good? Or, like, oh, this is going to be bad? Or, like, how do you feel? Because when you were, I'm trying to think when you were playing, like, social media had kind of started, but it wasn't like it is now. Social media started when I was in, in when I was playing, but I wasn't allowed to have one as a team rule. Yeah, that's true. Um, that we call it the Phil Payne rule. Um, but I wasn't allowed to have one. I'm glad you said that because I, I didn't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. So, so I didn't have one, which is kind of sad because I didn't get, I wasn't a part of the initial social media wave. So I was just jumping in after the fact and I, I'm not as comfortable on social media, I guess, as I probably could have been. So getting a notification is like, what could this be? And in my experiences, it's a lot of the time it's negative. Like I, I find that people are more willing to react to your post negatively than they are positively. Like, I don't, especially on Twitter, like, I, I get more feedback when, when something's controversial and then the people are telling me, you shouldn't say that or that's stupid or whatever. Those conversations or those notifications tend to be more frequent. Like, the good ones, it's like, eh, all right, yeah, people liked it. I kind of expected that. I'm and it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I can't, I, I, it's funny what is why I'm thinking about it, but I literally just had a conversation a couple hours ago and I said, you know, I got a really weird, like threatening message on social media <laughs> and I didn't really think anything of it. And the person was like, you didn't think anything of it. I was like, no, no, happens all the time. Yeah, it's, it's like commonplace. <laughs> like that's what social media is. And I think what the, the sooner you realize that, the less you stress about it. Like social media is where people go to vent their frustrations about the real world. And that's okay. Like I'm completely fine with people doing that now. It's like, okay, virtually come after me or cancel me, whatever the case may be. Tell me I'm stupid. Uh, you know, all the things you would never say to someone's face anymore, but that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. By the way, Adam, I just, just hit me who you told that to. Yeah. We have to tell that story way down the yeah, road. Yeah. But I can imagine in that situation, you're like, yeah, no, nah, I get threats all the time. And the follow-up was like, why is that? And I said, well, there's just people that don't like me yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. You're a flamethrower in media. It, it I, said, I said I'm a polarizing figure. That was yes. what I said. Yeah. Don't ever change, Adam. Don't ever change. Uh, you're probably like the ego on this guy. No, I'm not lying. I really am polarizing. 
do I do get a lot of nasty grams. So let's talk about polarizing people in the NBA Finals. We'll get to Draymond Green in a couple of seconds here. Caleb Herring's with us, big basketball fan. We'll get to some football notes as well. The former UNLV quarterback and current analyst on radio of UNLV football. Who's going to win this Finals between the Celtics and the Warriors? I know GSW has the advantage right now, but who's going to win it? I, I told you my pick. I was wrong in, in the amount of games. I said Warriors in five when this started. I think the Warriors are, are the more consistent team. I, I, like I said this to many people, but I think the youth and inexperience of Boston is, is showing in critical moments, and that's basically all the moments that matter in the finals. Um, and as the pressure continues to build, I think this home court advantage that people stay as advantage for this next game, I think it's not really an advantage because of the demeanor and the inconsistency of of the Celtics, when it starts to go bad, they haven't shown that they can consistently rebound. And with the Warriors determined to close things out and not give the Celtics another chance, I think they're going to be laser-focused. Um, I think it ends in Boston uh, tomorrow night, and I, I think I don't think that's a bad thing for Boston. I think there's just a, a kind of a growing phase, uh, kind of learning how to win. You have a team built that's, that's built for winning, and I could see them winning uh, a couple times in the future if they keep this unit together. But I think right now they haven't learned how to win against a good team, like against a really good championship caliber team, which I think the Warriors are, both talent-wise and with the mental aspect of the way they approach basketball and playing uh, night in and night out. I think the Warriors are just built for a championship right now, um, and it's not the Celtics' turn yet. Has this been a good series? Uh, yes, I, and I say that because uh, every game has been uh, decided late. I think with the exception of game two, I believe the Warriors kind of handled business and it was early. Uh, I think the starter sat the fourth quarter for Golden State. Um, but outside of that, every game, the score, the final score doesn't really show how close every game has been. I think watching these games has been anybody's game up until the last four minutes of, of, of the fourth quarter um, for the most part. So in that aspect, yes, it's been a good series. There's been good games up and down and it's, it's you know, you got guys with different stories. Steph Curry's been phenomenal. Andrew Wiggins has been great. The Clay Thompson story, even though it's not been necessarily good for the finals, it's still been a story that keeps you entertained. Jason Tatum and the kind of Jekyll and, Jekyll and Hyde that he is uh, during the series. Jalen Brown coming into his stardom. Uh, Williams in the middle. For, there's stories all over the place that keep it entertaining, like small stories to watch. And then the big story of the games themselves have been interesting. So I think as a fan of good basketball, I've watched good basketball for most of this series. I think maybe a quarter or two here and there have not been good. But outside of that, it's been very entertaining to watch. Uh, I think you left out a name. Draymond Green? He's there been, it is. He's been big. <laughs> I, I didn't want to bury the lead. I, I heard <laughs> we were talking about him later. So the Draymond Green story, that, that he gets his own spot. Like Draymond's been, and this has been a, a story that's built over the length of Draymond's career. Like there's, there's been a narrative of him kind of being the, the, what was it, the, the worst guy in the boy band um, for, for the entirety of the, the Warriors dynasty. It's like what, Draymond is the loudest of the players, and he's probably the least deserving of the players to be loud. Like, he's as loud as Steph Curry should be about how good he is, right? And that's, that's his, his, the vocal nature of his being. It's like he's so great, right? But you look at him, he averages a triple single for his career. It's like he statistically doesn't do much, and it's more the intangible things that he brings to the table that help the team and only work for this team. Um, but he's embraced his role full-heartedly, and he's as important as Steph in his mind, I'm sure. Um, but that's kind of the story that's coming to And it's like we're realizing it on the biggest stage. Ah, Draymond, not that guy. Like I, 
I think we realized in the 15-win season when Draymond was by himself, and it was like, oh, that's what you got without Steph and Clay. Oh, you know, then you see you know, Steph go through his greatness without Clay, and it's like, well, Steph was still great without his superstar counterpart. Draymond, I don't know. I don't know. And that might help Draymond. He's got longevity in Golden State. They've got a system that works. But you can't picture Draymond being Draymond anywhere else. You know, so I, and I think it was kind of a humbling moment for Draymond to get benched in the most critical moment of, of a game in the finals. Um, and I think that's just what he needed for a lot of different psychological off-the-court reasons to kind of tone it down a notch and get back to playing his role on the court the way he should in the most efficient way possible so that Steph and Clay and all the others can go off. Caleb Herring's with us. You tweeted the other day that you couldn't believe Draymond was still doing the podcast. I, as a teammate, as a locker room guy, I, there, there's sacrifices in these moments. that you, Regular season, I understand it. Do your thing. But when we've worked an entire 82-game schedule through the playoffs, we're on, you know, the four wins away from winning it all, I would think that that moment would dictate that you've got to eliminate all the distractions. And I've known guys to say, we're not talking to the family before the game. We're not doing anything to distract us. Uh, from the mission um and it's one thing to do a podcast but he's doing a very combative uh controversial podcast that mm-hmm. that's that's distracting in that way just not just doing the podcast but the content of the content of uh, the podcast is also a factor to me i can't see how that's okay with everybody in the locker room especially guys like clay who are hyper focused on winning this one because of what it would mean for him and getting back to basketball how much he appreciates the moment in itself for somebody to be you know, after a game going and doing a podcast is just, it baffles me. I, I guess the Warriors are okay with it. I don't know. But I just was, I, it, it takes me back that he just, even for the finals, wouldn't say I'm hanging it up. And then use the podcast as a point or, or use that topic as a point of, of content for his podcast, really. It's like just said, like, hey, I'm going to do my podcast. It's like, dude, we don't want to be that to be a distraction because if we lose this thing, and it turns out that's just another reason that it's your fault. Not to mention the triple singles you're putting up, but the podcast being a distraction and possibly a reason that you're putting up triple singles. That's, I, I don't understand how that is, is allowed by the others and the other leaders in the locker room. But, hey, the Warriors are, are up 3-2 in the finals, and Draymond's still doing his podcast. You mentioned distractions. Uh, should we draw any any line between – the Curry family drama blowing up on social media after Game Four and the Steph Curry Game Five performance. I, you definitely could, but it was a split fingernail, wasn't it? And that's what that's what led to sure. the bad shooting. No, sure. I, there's no way you wouldn't be distracted by that. And I think internally, maybe it wasn't a distraction, but sometimes what you got going on with the family, media gets a hold of it, social media in, uh, in particular, um, and then the story goes goes crazy and the 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 memes are are plentiful and that becomes a distraction which is why you should not be on social media in such a critical moment uh like the finals because you're human still and the distractions are possible and sometimes detrimental hopefully that's not the case but i could definitely see that with the the way steph curry values family um i could definitely see the reaction of people to his family and their dynamic their new dynamic being something that maybe distracts him a little bit. I don't know to the extent of 0, and 0 for 9 from 3. Um, I'm not going to put it all on the family business, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in the back of his head as far as preparing for the game and his mind kind of being in two different places at once. That's crazy to me because on, on my reference for everything now, Celebrity Family Feud, the family was so happy. The Curry family was all together and all so happy. And <laughs> to see this go crazy, I, I, can't, I just can't believe it. 
Yeah, homewrecking at its finest, I guess, right? That's that this is what we mean. They were good. They were they had it all. Well, and now all of a sudden they're in shambles. They went from celebrity family feud to celebrity wife swap. <laughs> it's the real the real housewives of Golden State. Like, yes. is, is that what hmm. they are now? I think so. I think that's how we're rolling. <laughs> Caleb Herring's with us. Uh let's hit a couple of football points real quick. I don't know if you saw the comments. Uh, about 10 days ago now, Ohio State coach Ryan Day talking about NIL and needing $13 million to keep a team together to stay at this level, which, again, just like Saban did, I think is a call to the Ohio State community to start throwing some more money in the kitty. Uh, there could be a developing rivalry. Adam will tell you about this. What's going on with Marcus Freeman? So Marcus Freeman was making comments. He's an Ohio State grad. And he was making comments about the differences that he faces. And he actually was saying, hey, it's a benefit for us that our kids actually have to go to class. They, they can't skip class and then just do something online to make up for it. And now he's he walked it back. He went on radio in Columbus and said, hey, look, I love Ohio State University. I went here. But when you have 60,000 kids, nobody's going to know if you're in class or not. And you're just going to get things done when you get Ooh. them done. And when you, when you were at Notre Dame, small classes, different setting. It's a different scenario that kids have, and he's like, I just look at that as a positive. And at Ohio State, you have to be indep- you have to be independent and hold yourself accountable because nobody else is going to do it. And for by you. the way, he's killing it so far on the recruiting trail because Lloyd Carr's grandson snubbed Michigan, in in essence, snubbed Ohio State to go to Notre Dame. So, what do you think of this? Freeman talking about the academics and taking swipes at Ohio State. I I think I think it's absolutely true what he's saying. I think the way all of this is coming out, whether it's the statement and, and, and that whole issue with the money or it's this with the education, I think it's all coming out in the most childish, uh, um, adolescent way it possibly could have. And I'm here for it. I love every second of it because this is probably the only way it would have ever come out. These are things that were known in the college community as far as certain programs and certain institutions holding even their athletes to a higher standard than others. Uh, I've, I've heard stories about Michigan as well, that they're very strict about their academic standards and, and such like that, where other schools in the Big Ten maybe weren't as stringent about academic performance and, and what it takes to get I remember uh, Stanford. I, I went to on an unofficial visit to Stanford, and I was told about a thing called a Stanford GPA, um, which is obviously you know different from Stanford. They're kind of like the Ivy League of the West Coast, but you didn't. What I had was was honor honor student uh, GPA coming out of high school. I had a three point eight coming out of eight GPA coming out of high school, um, and I was told at Stanford that I w- they would probably translate to a two point seven five. And it's like that they weren't gonna f- the, to fudge the line at Stanford over your academic performance just because you were good at sports. And it was known that some schools were willing to not only overlook some of your academic deficiencies, but give you a pass and be kind of um, have plausible deniability on whether or not you went to class or not, or try to schedule you in all online classes so that your attendance wasn't an issue or that someone could maybe assist you a little bit more than they would normally be able to assist you. And these were things that were going on that were, I've heard stories about, not at my institution necessarily, and I'm not going to throw anybody on the bus in that way, but just things that were kind of not against the rules, but, the, the closest thing you get to, to, to muddying that line of what was right and what was wrong. And schools have gotten away with this since the beginning of the NCAA as a regulating body in college sports. Now that the NIL and all these things are coming to light where players are having more right in their discussions and podcasts uh, from personal 
you can't quiet these stories anymore necessarily. And even worse, now that the playing field's trying to level out as far as NIL can go, there's all kinds of you know different things that are going into that can of worms. These stories are coming out from people that matter. The coaches are finally telling on each other to try to give themselves a competitive advantage in what has become the wild, wild west of college recruiting. And I'm, I'm here for it because, one, how are you going to regulate it? You really can't. The cat's out of the bag now. Like, there's, it's too widespread to just be like, you can't do that because there'd be 10 institutions instantly, notable institutions that wouldn't be able to play, that would be suspended from bowl eligibility or whatever the punishment was for the things that everybody's been doing for decades. So I, I'm here for it. I, I don't know how the NCAA is going to – good luck to whoever has the task of figuring this out, but I'm here for it. I, I love that this is coming there that gives college more stories. Um, I think the truth is being told, and more people in living rooms across the country are, are probably hearing this and saying, you know what, loyalty to an institution when they're willing to do this kind of stuff? No, nah, it's every man for himself. I'm going to go to the best institution for me. I'm going to transfer if I feel necessary. And I'm going to try to get the best out of my four years at college that I can. And why wouldn't you in the face of what has become such a shifty, shifty industry when uh, that is college recruiting? Caleb, you're awesome. Good stuff. We'll talk to you. All right, you guys. Take care. Have a good one. There he is, the former UNLV quarterback, Caleb Herring. Giveaway time right now. 364-1100, caller 7. Three ice hockey is in town at the Orleans on the 18th. That's Saturday. Six teams, six skaters. One goalie, three-on-three hockey. How freaking cool is that? You can get more information on it at 3ice.com. Caller 7, three-on-three hockey at the Orleans. Caller 7, 364-1100. He's like the guy in the boy band who's the least important member. (laughs) He thinks the crowd is like cheering for him. He doesn't realize he's standing next to Justin Timberlake. (laughs) You're listening to Cofield and Company. Yeah, he's the least famous person in the boy band, and he thinks he's a star. Here we go. Yeah, Charles Barkley, Dan Patrick Show. That's from a couple of years ago, but it really is a classic line, and I saw Caleb referenced it. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour because we uh, we hit upon that whole boy band thing and the weakest member of the boy band not realizing that they're the weakest. They think they're the star, kind of like Draymond. Man, people have been getting down on Draymond, just crushing them. You, uh, for Fat Pack today, you sent over a story, and I will admit, I am a little jealous, even if I could just be the like just a stagehand, an assistant, and just bring out the props. I think I'd be down with it. So I, I got to hear the concept on this one because I'm 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 in on the food. But what is this? Well, I think we can do a whole hour because I have so many different thoughts on this. But Cooper Manning is getting a show. Through, Who's Cooper Manning? Through Omaha Productions is the, the outcast Manning. So is the other Manning brother who. Sure. He's actually the father of Arch Manning, so yeah. Arch is you know as, as high a prospect as both Eli and Peyton were back in the day. Yeah, but he's getting an interview show. Yeah, he's going to interview famous guests, mostly athletes, but other celebrities as well. It's essentially comedians in cars getting coffee, but it's going to be athletes having an interv- interviewed by Cooper Manning over a bowl of their favorite soup. Oh, they get to pick the soup? Yeah, their favorite soup. Oh. 
I wanted them to, to, and it doesn't have to be all gross soups, but I, I think they should be picking the soup, and then the subject has to get through the soup, and that's how long the conversation is. Wow, they get to pick their own soup. Yeah, and it's as long. So you, can, I, I mean, apparently, if you don't want to do it, you can just down the soup right away because it's when the soup's gone, the interview's over. Well, depending on how hot it is, I mean, there's a lot of soup. You know, the old old school soup. If you wanted to, because, you know, I don't know if you if your dad did it, but my dad used to just have a thermos, like drinking soup. Is that a thing anymore? I, I guess no one so. goes with a thermos. Well, like I think we used to do, workers. we would just drink the soup. You drink the broth and then do the noodles, sure. and you could finish it in like three minutes. But uh, my one of my problems with this, first of all, I don't. I don't have a favorite soup. Like I like soup. I don't have a favorite, and I'm. Uh, we've joked about this answer before to things like I think I think your favorite soup is a mood or like a, you know, a situational thing. Oh, really? Like I think if you know if you're in a certain like, you know, obviously chicken noodle if you're sick or you know like a nice vegetable beef if it's like a a winter night kind of thing. I think it's different based on mood. I think you could also pick based on how much you want to talk. Sure. There's some soups that you could eat really quickly. Like if you get if you get a regular sized bowl of pho. Sure. You're there for like 45 minutes. Yeah. That's an endeavor. And it's and it's I mean it's going to be entertaining because between like using the chopsticks like the other for for me for pho like I want it hot so I down all the broth. And then I get I just, to the noodles and the meat. Okay. But it would take forever, and then you you could be splashing all over the place. I don't get wh- who came up with the soup con. I I like it. I love you know I'm, I love you soup. love soup. Like I love it. What is your favorite soup though? You know, I guess lately it has been pho and ramen. Also, is is pho soup? A thousand percent. Yes. And here's here's the- don't we're not arguing. It's not even an no, argument. No, but here's th- this is the argument because I know the hot dog sandwich thing. Yeah. You know the soup. What the soup argument is, right? No. Is a bowl of cereal soup. It's, I think I, I think that's absurd. It's cereal sitting in a liquid. Right. What's the difference? Yeah, I think that's absurd. That's soup. Hmm. That's a this is that's another It's a liquid with things in it. What how would you describe soup? It's chili soup, right? That's a good question too. Is chili soup? I think it is. But I, don't, I, think, I don't cereal think it is, is too. I don't think it is. Cereal's definitely soup. Cereal's not definitely way, soup. It's open for debate. Like a nice, it's not cereal. It's like not a, definitely soup. Like a nice bean soup with ham in it. That's that's sometimes my favorite. Also. Oh really? Yeah, I like that. That's too. an upset. I didn't expect that. But one. I feel like I th- feel like cereal soup. Where do you come up with this stuff? How it, it it's it's a liquid that just has like the cereal floating in it. That that'd be like the meat or whatever you want to say is in your soup. The noodles. That's soup. I mean, I guess I look at cereal as something you could actually throw in a cup and eat dry. Like, you're not probably not going to take the... Sure, but you could do that with noodles, too. You could eat noodles dry, like just, just the noodles plain, just eat those on their own. Then that's not soup, but if you throw it in some broth, then it's soup. Damn. You're twisting me up. I don't know what to say. I never thought about the whole cereal thing. Yeah, that's So soup. who's going to be the first person to blank up Cooper Manning and be like, I want a bowl of cereal? Harbaugh. Ah, that's right. Harbaugh. the cereal with the Gatorade in it. Now yeah. that's soup. <laughs> now that's soup. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You do know this is a complete ripoff of, and no one will ever match this, of Hot Ones. Have you seen Hot Ones? I've, every episode. Hot Ones is unbelievable. It's great. The, the pay, I was watching one today. I actually sent the link in with uh, Post Malone. Yeah. And he's just doing calisthenics. Like, he is. His head's going to explode. Yeah, there's some that just are, like, completely free. Did you, did you see DJ Khaled's? You've got to watch it. It's tremendous. Because he just starts, he's like, why am I doing this? Like well, then you get a plug, and he's like, ah, I, don't, "I don't care." He just stops. He's like, "Well, you can talk, you can interview me if you want. I'm not eating these. I just do hot good. food. 
Well, that's the whole point is the pain, and then like you freaking your guard drops because you're all you're thinking about is how much pain you're in. You say anything. He was like, "Yeah, I'm not. I don't like. I don't need this. I I don't. Why am I eating that? Well, no No, one needs it." Cofield and Cofield and Company. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but in the United States of America, no one really cares about hockey. You know, the old joke is every town has 20,000 hockey fans. They all have season tickets. So the arenas are always sold out, but the TV ratings don't do anything. So it's not one of the four major team sports. Oh, Max, come on, man. Being a jackass. That was a couple years ago. Max Kellerman, cut it out. Stanley Cup, the finals are here. Game one, Avs, Lightning, Hockey expert from the fan in Denver, Judge Dan, Dan Jacobs is with us. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Hold on, hold on. Talking about being a jackass. <laughs> yep, here we go. I hoped, I hoped one time I could come on this show and we could do a segment and it doesn't have to go completely off the rails. But I'm listening last segment. I've known, I, you know, I probably, I don't know, 20 years I've known Adam Hill. <laughs> We've done a ton of segments together. We go back and forth, and I always love it. I don't think I've ever legitimately, not once, been mad at Adam. I love him. I was legitimately, I don't know why, man. I was just mad at him last segment, man. Like, stop it with this guy, with the cereal being soup thing. Like, I don't know why this really ticked me off, Adam, man. How is it like, not? stop it. How is it not? Because it's not. Like, hey, you know what, Adam? <clears throat> You know, technically, an airplane is a spaceship. Sure. Because you know, if you think if you think about it, it's it's a it's a vehicle flying through the air, and when you're in it, you're in airspace. So I'm an astronaut. I'm an astronaut, okay. and I want all the accolades. And I took my first airship ride when I was five years old. So I should be getting a you know a government pension, and I should be able to retire now because I've been an astronaut for forty years. Dan, don't do this. Tell, you're tell you're just about. you're feeding the beast. Don't do it. This is what he wants. The show, the show gets How derailed. Like we do, we cut into your freaking time by going too long, and now you're cutting into your I'm time by talking here, about his lunacy. I'm sitting here. You're supposed to be on ten break. minutes like, ago. I'm, I'm not going to be able to have any of my time to to enlighten the 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 fine people of Las Vegas about the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup because of Adam Hill. Now I'm all upset. My blood pressure's through the roof. Now what are we gonna do? You know what? How much time? Do you have time? If you want, you can do the Big Five with us now. Yeah. I'm gonna change okay. up the Big Five and add more of your topics because this sob did his whole stupid no. cereal is soup thing and stole our time. I'll, I'll fix it. No, Dan. What is your favorite soup? Mine's Cocoa Puffs. Go. Well, here's the thing. I don't even like soup. I've never even. I've I've had pho like once. It's Fun. just broth, awesome. and uh, I'm scared. I don't even know what's going to be in there. Is there going to be like an eyeball in there? <laughs> I don't know what those guys are doing back there. What you know? What's what's made its way in there? Oh, are you yeah. guys nuts? I mean, especially you, uh, Adam. I can't even believe you would trust that. You eat pho? Are you out of your mind? Well, I'm experimenting now. I love pho. I made ground beef last week. Um, I'm doing a lot of things now. There's you. You made ground beef. I did. Oh wow! Wow, that's yeah. impressive. But not, not really. No, not really. The saddest part, Dan, is that I first went to the store to see if they had any pre-made ground beef. Buy, and oh, that's didn't. the worst thing you can do. Uh, other than White Castle burgers uh, in the microwave or nothing. Oh, new sponsor of the show, White Castle. <laughs> there you go. Not anymore. Uh, Judge Dan is with us. The fan in Denver. All right. So what's the vibe on radio and on the ground there with the Avs now in the Stanley Cup Final and their big favorites against the Lightning? Who are two-time defending champions? Well, here's the sad thing: that clip you played. Um, actually, Craig Carton used to do that bit, the, the Max Kellerman bit. You uh, you uh, led into the show with the soundbite. Sure. 
Carton used to do that that bit here. But here's the stinking thing. We're excited, but we've been talking about the Broncos having a field day today. That's been half half our time on the radio here. That that just goes to show you about hockey, you know, and all of America. But no, we're excited. Uh, I don't know if we're huge favorites. I mean, they are the two-time defending uh, Stanley Cup champion. It's a it's a there's a nervous energy in the city. We're all excited. We're all waving our pom poms, but. This, you know, the Lightning team is, you know, we always talk about the Avalanche. Well, you know, we, we run into bad matchups like last year, case in point, the Vegas Golden Knights, especially when we didn't have Nazem Kadri because he got suspended. Guess what we don't have right now? Nazem Kadri because he's hurt. And so that is a big concern because this is a, a team much like the Golden Knights, which is a really, really bad matchup for the Avalanche. Now, the question is, have they grown up? Have they learned? Do they know how to deal with adversity? Do they know how to deal with teams that are kind of built to deal with the abs, neutralize their speed and their skill? So we're all nervous. We're all in pins and needles, but we're excited. So along those lines, if they lose this series, is the season a failure? I've said from, yes, from minute one before the playoffs, yes. Especially with the way they got humiliated by Las Vegas last year. And everybody's talking about, oh, wow, this team is just, you know, built. You know, it's interesting. They were, with a two-time defending champion coming back, the Avalanche were still instilled right after the playoffs last year as the odds-on favorite to win the Cup, which was interesting to me because they didn't even know what was going to be going on with their goaltending and things like that. So to me, yes, it's a failure. How How can it not be? With all this talent and all that stuff. How could it not be? To me, it's a failure. I'm not in for juice boxes and pom-poms and orange slices. You got to win. I'm not here for, oh, okay, well, we got past the second round. If you go into the Stanley Cup Finals with home ice advantage and you've only lost two games the entire playoffs going into the series, you got to win. What do you guys say? Yeah. I mean, I think I think that they were, as you said, a, a favorite for the beginning who performed well all season long, have all the ingredients that you need to win a title and they need to win the title. I I think that's absolutely clear about this team. Um, But my thought going in is how, how do you think they want this series to go? Cause we saw last series. Yeah. They can win wide open, crazy affairs against a team like Edmonton, but we saw early in the series. Okay. Maybe that's not the best way to go. And they kind of adjust a little bit, but I think they feel like maybe they're in an advantage. If this one is more wide open than Tampa, who wants to play a more, you know, disciplined, organized, low-scoring game. Yeah, they feel that the way that they are well-suited is it's it's puck possession, right? They want to be peppering Vasilevsky. Even if they're not getting through, they just want to keep possession of the puck because they know their goaltending is not a strength. Uh, I always say that, you know, no lead is safe with this Avs team. But they, you know, because one mistake and, you know, there's always an equalizer. That That's what's scary to me. Uh, but they just feel if they can keep possession of the puck, keep getting shots on goal, even if it was like, you know, some of these games where maybe they're not even getting through or they're just, you know, you know, nursing a, a one goal lead. Uh, if they could just keep, keep, you know, possession of the puck and that, you know, offense is their best defense, which is really not a thing in hockey. But for them, they think it is. Well, I mean... Will the goaltending hold up enough? I mean, I guess that is the biggest question for the Avalanche going into the series. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're all scared to death. Like, you know, if you have two goaltenders, you have none. I don't even, you know, I don't know if they have any. It's it's just it's it's just really scary for them. And 
I can't state this enough. Uh, Nazem Kadri was the kind of the heart and soul of this team. They were really teetering on the edge in the second round when he really stepped up. Probably had, outside of maybe Patrick Waugh, who's a goaltender, probably the most iconic playoff performance in the team's history in game four and really kind of kickstarted it in game three against the Blues and really kind of took over this team, gave them their edge, and then they were kind of off and running after that. Without him, I'll be interested. You know, I'm interested to see, you know, can they, you know, you know, step up to some adversity, you know, face the adversity without them. So to me, that's probably the biggest question mark for them. And we'll just have to see if it'll play out that way, you know, how it plays out. Joe's Dan is with us from the fan in Denver. So big news with the Broncos, their purchase for uh, upwards of, you know, five bill uh, last week. One of the Walton family members course walmart right well the cronkies are also tied to walmart is there a story here we got like a developing rivalry is walton going to come in and make the cronkies look like jackasses by building a cronky like facility like stan has in la what's going to happen yeah well there's definitely going to be a new stadium so the stadium on the or the lease on the current stadium is going to be up in about i think nine years so that gives them plenty of time to build yes basically the same thing Probably we don't know yet. It, you know, probably it'll depend on where they get the most incentives. But you know, I, you know, Adam's been there a million times, and Schofield. I don't know if you've been there how often. You've been there, but where the stadium's at right now doesn't make sense. The the Broncos' current stadium it's a little over twenty years old. The you know he's a great you know he's a great owner, but he he wasn't flush with cash. Pat Bolin, um, he he was just lucky to get uh, you know basically a public funded stadium last time. Uh, but it, it doesn't have what a new owner wants. You know, all the the retail stuff, all the opportunities that new owners want. Uh, ironically, there's going to be a, a, a Sam's Club around the new stadium. There will be, you know, where everybody can go and, you know, f- you know, fill up for the tailgating and things like that. We laugh, but it's going to be there. And then bars and restaurants and high-rise, you know, condos and all the things that will actually be thriving seven days a week, just just not eight to 10 times a year. So yes, that's going to happen. Now, interestingly, it's kind of funny. I was looking at it. Stan Kroenke's wife, um, Ann Walton, um, is probably the least rich. I know it sounds funny saying that. Right. Um, it's like the least good looking of the Cofield and Company crew. The least rich of the Waltons, of the Walmart area. <laughs> oh, wow. so it's kind of crazy. Uh, most of them have like multiple you know uh, billions 20 billion dollars or more yeah. uh, she's worth 10 billion oh that's it is, yeah that's yeah. it hey you dan know? dan um, do me a favor yeah. sit tight we got a heartbreak right. coming up first two stories in the big five are for judge dan he works on the fan he's a real judge so we got some legal Think stories of your to best get. uh favorite breakfast soups during the break <laughs> 